The Gallant Few Rangers podcast is brought to you by Triple H Mortgages, the one-stop shop for all your mortgage and mortgage insurance needs. Contact them today on 01453 887 179 or hello at hhhmortgages.com. You can also find them online at hhhmortgages.com or on their Facebook page. Hello and welcome to the first episode of the History Show from the Gallant View podcast. This is a pilot show where we're going to look back and review some notable and key events in Rangers history. My name's Colin McDuff and today I'm joined by Scott Hodge. Scott, how are you doing? Hello Colin. When's the last time you you looked at any sort of history? Was it maybe third year, fourth year in high school? <laughs> Probably was, I mean, <laughs> didn't, I didn't pick it, so even before that is one of my subjects. Yeah. Well, I'm, I don't know, I don't know if it's, it's just because I'm approaching 30, um, I'm starting to get right into the Second World War, mm. watching a lot of documentaries, but that's not what we're here to talk <laughs> about. Um, every, you know, every month we'll look to maybe bring a history show out, um, there'll be no real reason or rhyme to the subject of each show, just whatever really takes your fancy or takes your interest, or if there's any, any listener uh, suggestions you would want us to go back and look at. Today we are going to look at Rangers lifting the Victory Cup in 1946. Before we go on the subject of this week's show, Scott, you and I were talking off air, Rangers are approaching their 150th anniversary. We've been alive for less than a quarter of that. So we really know fuck all about fuck all. Um, but how important is it to to look back over the club's history? Definitely. Aye. It's, uh, you want to find out more as well. It's obviously, you know, one of our main interests in life, Rangers. Um, you know, we, we spend a lot of money in Rangers. Um, it's our passion as supporters. So it's good to... I'd like to think that I know a lot of what's going on just now. But looking back, it's probably something... To be honest, I don't, I don't know much about, and it'll be it'll be good to to research and you know talk with the listeners about some some stories that maybe some younger fans aren't aware of, and um, yeah, a good refresh for people who are aware of what you know what's happened. The nineteen forty six Victory Cup. This was a one off competition to signal the end of the Second World War and a return to normality for the footballing world. It was too late for the SFA to organise the Scottish Cup for season 1945-1946, so they put in the Victory, Club, the Victory Cup to replace it. This ran from April to June 1946. A similar tournament was held under similar circumstances in 1919, following the end of the First World War and St Mirren were the winners of that. Just a bit of background, so we all know what happened between 1939 and 1945, the outbreak of the Second World War. And in 1939, all, all official competitive football was was stopped and they were replaced with unofficial leagues. And Rangers competed in the Emergency Western League and the Emergency War Cup in 1939. So, so just a wee bit of trivia here. So it was enforced by the Home Office that Crowds were limited to 8,000 people in evacuation areas and 15,000 people elsewhere. Could you imagine 8,000 people at a Rangers game? 
No, no, it's really not. It's something you only really see at like friend, like you know, maybe friendlies, and even then would would have more than that. Um, I think back to the Colts game again against um, was it Wrexham or something? Yeah, yeah, and it was. I don't, I don't know what the official attendance was and that, but as as so strange seeing Ibrox um, so, with so few fans, and obviously in the days as well, you could get a lot more people in the grounds as health and safety hadn't been invented yet. So <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, it would it would be a quite a scary sight to see it quite so empty. I know. So in nineteen thirty nine, as as I was saying there, Rangers uh, Rangers won the the Western League and they went on to play. Uh, Fall Cup, the winners of the Eastern League in a playoff and Rangers were the country's champions as well as winning the Emergency War Cup. So from 1940 to 1946, the Leeds were then regionalised again and Rangers played in the 16-team Southern League and they competed in the Southern League Cup. So they won the Leeds six times, Scott. So if you include the Southern, the six Southern Leagues, the Emergency War League before that, and they have won Scottish Championship either side. This, if these were counted, this was the original nine in a row. That's weird to think of that, isn't it? It's um, yeah, it's it's obviously just the the circumstances that you know that was was going going through. Like they they didn't class it as you know an official tournament. So it's really interesting to think about that. I don't think um, well, I think I think people will obviously be aware of it, but in terms of you know, even in the difficult, difficult circumstances and, you know, there is a bit of similarity um, to, to what we're going through just now. I'm not saying it's a world war, but like in terms of it's a pandemic situation through that and, you know, it puts things into a bit of context as well in terms of that we're actually able to, to watch football and go to it. I mean, you look at that, like there would have been, none of that would have been televised and, you know, crowd size is so low, you know, despite, you know, everything that's going on, it's a real you know, fortunate situation we're in just now that we get the ability to just watch the football, never mind like getting to go to it. So it's um no, it's it's, it's an incredible achievement um to to obviously get the first unofficial nine in a row and um yeah, yeah. Um. So on top of that the they won the, the Southern League Cup four times. The Southern League Cup would eventually go on to be replaced by what we now know as the League Cup. So they won that four times, run up the other two times, six uh, Southern Leagues. Although they're, they're not being counted as official in the eyes of the SFA, and you know, as Rangers fans, we'll still take the well, you know we'll still take the plaudits for the cup, the club for it. Chink enough has spoke about this party of Bill Stoof, Sarah. It's not, no, it's um it's almost as if it's just like a, a friendly period like throughout that time and it's um as you say, like complete domination like over that. You can you know, it's obviously ingrained in Bill Stroof's legacy and things, like, you know, um in terms of, you know, the success and the standards, but you can even tell in this time it was you know, it's a priv- it should always be, but it's a privilege to play for Rangers and we'll accept nothing less than being the best and being successful, especially domestically. And the last thing, just before we go into the actual Victory Cup, um, I wanted to touch on just how dominant this Rangers side were in the lead-up to it, but looking back at the, the Southern League Cup, Rangers actually, in the final, um, Rangers actually 
<laughs> won the tournament on corners. So in nineteen forty four we drew nothing each with uh sorry, nineteen forty three we drew one each with Falkirk and then won eleven three in corners. The following year we drew nothing each with Hibs and lost six five in corners. That is wild. <laughs> I thought um, when I seen that I thought it was a wind up, but I it's it's mental, isn't it? Like to be what what do you think like in terms of like if if, if somebody had ten corners over two, you would expect them to be the dominant team, wouldn't you? But you would never like you would never think that, you know, the one you could easily be in the the receiving end of, you know, a hiding or whatever with that amount of corners. I know is I I know what you mean. Like the team that has the more corners tends to dominate the match, but you've never like it's so alien to think that that could settle a match, <laughs> and especially was, a final. I know, and there was actually Rangers won something like in the thirties with a time cost as well, um, and I think that was quite a common thing. Finding <laughs> it, it's it is madness uh, to think now, but that was uh, that was commonplace back back in the day, so. Rangers being dominant right up until the 1945-46 season. You know, they, they won the Southern League, which ended in February 1946. All that was left to play for was the Southern League Cup, which ran February to May. Rangers would have been eventual runners-up to Aberdeen in May 1946. But then the Victory Cup tournament ran from April to June 1946. So, again, this was... This was in place of the Scottish Cup, so all professional teams were invited to, to enter. The first round was over two legs, and then every other fixture, uh, a one-off affair. Rangers were drawn to Stenhouse Moor, and they won 8-2 in aggregate, winning 4-1, uh, both home and away. Round two, they went through to play Erdrionians away, and they won 4-0. Erdrionians had actually knocked them out of the 1919 tournament in the, in the first round. Then quarter final, Falkirk away. They drew one each, but it seems like Falkirk are. You know that's a few times we've played Falkirk. They must have been a decent team back then. Yeah, but we do with Falkirk one each um, in Falkirk, and then the replay they won two 0 at Ibrox. Then the semi final, Celtic at Hamden, and I think it was November nineteen forty five. A few months after the official end of the war, the. The Home Office lifted the restrictions on crowd attendance, so 90,000 people estimated attended Hamden for the 0-H draw against Celtic. The replay was four days later and Rangers won 2-0, so Scott, it's good to see that some things never change. Celtic, um, this actually came up, I don't read Celtic blogs or anything before I get shouted, <laughs> but when I was doing a lot of googling uh, for this, there's quite a few entries that popped up on Celtic blogs about the Victory Cup and how they were cheated in the semi-final. Um, apparently, the <laughs> apparently the, the balls are claiming that the ref was drunk and was biased <laughs> towards Rangers uh, and sent two Celtic players off for dissent. Are they still going on about that? No. It's only been uh, about eight years. <laughs> this blog was for 2017. <laughs> They're consistent, what can you say? <laughs> but uh, Rangers won the replay against a nine-man Celtic, 2-0. So that, that would lead us to the 15th of June. Hibs at Hamden. And over 100,000 attended Ham, Hamden that day. So there's a, 
a few famous names in this Rangers lineup. So Rangers first eleven was Bobby Brown, Sammy Cox, Jock Shaw, Charlie Watkins, George Young, Scott Simmon, Willie Waddle, Tory Gillick, Willie Thornton, Jimmy Duncanson, Jimmy Caskey, and Jock Shaw's younger brother Scott is actually playing uh, for Hibs uh, that day as well. Apologies, listeners. Um, well, we'll maybe attach this visual to the um, to the link, but we have the the formation here. We know football. Scott, you and I were talking off air. We know football's evolved, and you know Rangers play a four three three in the nineties, maybe a four four two. But this looks chaos, doesn't it? Talk us through. Talk to listeners through what formation you can see for Rangers. Uh, so th- there is a goalkeeper. Surprisingly, um, there's two at the back. Three in midfield and, and five up top. So, <laughs> um, I they, they and it's the exact same formation for for the opposition. So it must be a a bit of a common uh, common tactic in these days. Um, just all at attack, lump the ball up the up the park. Good old good old fashion there. But um, oh, yeah, you'd get somebody's head checked if, uh, if if they played that nowadays. But yeah, I mean, I guess if. Everybody else, I think formations in terms if one person catches on and has success through it, everybody else will do it, and that's probably how it's evolved from that. And then it eventually goes to a more defensive style, and yeah, before you know it, um, yeah, everybody's copying the same same tactics. We found a I found a match report which was written a couple of years ago in the North section. Um, check that website; it's a lot of histor- historical. Articles on Scottish football, and this was written by Russell McFadden, and uh, that we're kind of taking the highlights from. You know, the by all reports, um, Rangers were looking to play football and take the game to Hibs very early on, and it's weird. So in this in this match reports and the links uh, to the old newspaper paper articles, it talks about the traditional Scottish way of passing and moving. So obviously, this is before. We had access to in, international football and stuff, and I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but that was a, a very Scottish thing through the thirties and forties. That it was very much like ball on the deck for the first time. It was an English thing to have the long ball up to the forwards. So just what you were saying there um, about long ball up. This this wasn't the way Rangers were playing or teams in general in Scotland. That's I think that's fascinating. Yeah, and it's and people call Scott Scottish leagues now like. Everything under the sun, like it's not respected, you know, basically anywhere outside Scotland. Uh, to be completely honest, and just wonder how it goes through that that sort of change. Like if we start, like if Scotland are what one of the forefronts in terms of playing the ball on the deck, passing and moving and things like that. You know, where when did that get phased out? And yeah, I believe, you know, people teams will have a principle, but a lot view Scottish football as just pun up the park and you know no no technical technical a play and things like that Te- technical styles of play and things like that so you just wonder when that sort of get phased out and and uh, we, we came to you know see the style that we, we see nowadays in Scotland so Rangers were, were dominant from the off and they were running hips ragged you know they didn't create too many clear cut chances but they, they they were easily the better team so just over 20 minutes in, Rangers win a throw-in, taken by Kasky, and Duncanson runs, runs on this throw-in, lays it back to Kasky, and he finds Tory Gillick, who's made a very clever run, and he's stuck the ball 
goalwards 1-0 Rangers at this point Hibs then then actually turn up and they, they start growing into the match there's a lot of articles mentioning the, the battle between Gordon Smith of Hibs and Jock Shaw um, I think Gordon Smith are a prolific player for, for Hibs at the time and also we all know about Tiger Jock Shaw uh, absolute Rangers legend mm-hmm. um, so I think this was a, a proper contest between two two great players after after maybe 10-15 minutes of Hibs being being back in the game, taking the game to Rangers, they get the equaliser by aching head. Um, a lot of clever play down the, the Hibs left hand side and a, again another clever cross into the box. So Rangers go and at half time one each. In the second half Scott, this is at the time this is, was described as one of the greatest ever goals scored at Hamden. The journalists of the time calling it a blackboard goal. So Thornton kicked off from the from halfway line. I don't know why. I did. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why I remind you where the half where we kick off from. But straight from kick off to get the second half under underway. So Rangers kick. It's uh, Willie Thornton who kicks off the second half for Rangers. Um, plays it to Gallic who plays it back to Thornton. Thornton lays it back to Scott Simon. Well, like the what we call the the passing move nowadays, <laughs> um, Scott Simmons then finds Thornton uh, with a lob. Thornton actually headers it down to the, the oncoming Duncanson, and he lashes it into the net for twenty yards. I can see why at the time they've called this one of the greatest ever goals. If we think about the the ball they used to play with, which was like, for us it'd be like kicking a a bag of cement, <laughs> um, a twenty yard goal. Hibs didn't actually get a touch of this ball until they picked out the net straight for kick off. Sounds dynamic. Aye, definitely. And um, aye, it just um, shows you the management as well, which seems as though we were under a lot of pressure from Hibs. And big, big, um, big occasion in terms of like, crowds and things like that, and there would have been a lot of pressure. But yeah, um, as I say, style of play and everything sounds sounds as though it was a, a really fast, a really good goal. So after that, it very much turned into a, a spectators game. Both teams from Rangers to kill the game off, and Hibs obviously to get the equaliser. Bobby Brown was said to have had many a great save in the in the second forty five minutes for Rangers, and Rangers put Hibs care under pressure uh, quite a few times. So Rangers actually had a disallowed goal. Uh, a high ball met by Willie Thornton was laid off to Willie Waddle and. Aye, it's for some reason it must have been offside. I, I can't see why they've called it. Maybe this was the the ref who was biased towards Hibs this time. VAR mate, I don't doubt. Well, we'll ask the Celtic blogs if this ref was steaming. <laughs> Rangers got a, cho- a goal chopped off, but in the dying moments of the game, Willie Waddle found himself with the ball again, running down the left wing and showing incredible vision. He finds the the ball through a Jimmy Duncanson, um, who beat. Uh, three or four players in his way uh, to get to the ball and lobbed it past the Hibs keeper. So Rangers 3, Hibs 1, Rangers left the second ever Victory Cup tournament. So in terms of the actual Victory Cup trophy, in 1919 St Mirren were awarded a, a shield, a one-off shield for the 1946 tournament. It was a Southern League Cup that they agreed to play, although Aberdeen had only won that three months before. This was what they were playing for. Because Rangers had won the Southern League Cup four times already, this was a fifth occasion. They go 
they, they were allowed to keep the trophy. Fair enough. Fair enough, I think. Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, as yeah, and as you as you said, all the stats, it's it's, it's Rangers dominance, and it's a nice gesture actually, and it, you know it just adds to the the history in terms like you go in. I think we've all been to the the trophy room within Ibrooks and you know you just see it as another you know it's obviously full of cups and medals and bikes and things like that but um, it's good to know the story of like what they were playing for and things like that so yeah it's uh, spectacular and probably a nice last nice gesture the SFA have done for us to be fair <laughs> and at the same time we managed to get one up Aberdeen you know they, they, uh, they would have their hands in a trophy two months later it goes back to Ibrox so the victory cup actually in the in the trophy room it's actually the the main cabinet towards the uh, closest to the window this mm-hmm. it's uh, KCMD's ever doing the tour once life goes back to normal but uh, you never know by the time we, we're allowed to go to Ibrox again we might have this museum up and running yeah yeah, yeah. could be moved could be moved yeah. so yeah uh, so the museum that'll make uh, any research for this show a lot easier we don't need to spend <laughs> hours and hours on Google <laughs> So that's the story of how Rangers won the Victory Cup in 1946. Scott, just a, a short show to pilot off, but again, I think it's, it's so interesting to look back at. Some of, some of the listeners uh, might take the half with this, but to you and I, the 80s is history. You know, like <laughs> your, your dads will talk about that, and when it's still, even though it's history, but it's, it's stories we know, but we, we don't really know stories about what happened in the 40s or 50s or even earlier after. I definitely, and it's it's um, it's it's good to good to talk about it. Like even that story as well, like the the the, um, the replay against Celtic in the semi final. It's things like that, like that could never happen nowadays, and refs coming up pushed like it's allegedly like, allegedly pushed. Um, but it's just stories like that. It's it's really good to know, and even if it you know like if somebody does the tour and they're able to like tell somebody else you know like if they're able to get a bit more information through this podcast it's really it will be very satisfying to to see that you know they know the story behind the victory cup and what it means um, instead of asking the, the tour guide or whatever like mark Haley probably so <laughs> um so it's uh, it's it's really good to find out about this and yeah we've got a lot of ideas of what's what's coming up as well and look forward to yeah so you know as we said this uh this series uh will just be you know, it's it's kept vague for a reason because there's so much that we can cover. We've got ideas of uh, single events, certain matches, tournaments, even um, a player or two that we're hoping to cover. But we'd love to hear your feedback. This is a pilot show, so it's kept it short and sweet. But let us know what you think. If there's anything you'd like to like us to look into and maybe do a bit of research on and talk about, all that's left to do. Scott, thanks very much for joining me. Thanks, Colin. Enjoyed it. And thanks for listening. Take care.